1: Today on CityCast Boise, it's our winter break, and we're awarding a few of our favorite episodes with some classic yearbook superlatives. Back in October, lead producer Frankie Barnhill talked to the Meridian woman behind the wildly popular, socialistly awkward TikTok account. For not letting small, local stories fall through the cracks, with 6 million likes and counting, we're calling this one the most extremely online local. It's Thursday, December 29th, 2022. I'm Emma Arnold and this is CityCast Voicing.
2: Hey, Lindsay, what's it like to be TikTok famous in Idaho?
0: It's honestly been a whirlwind. I've got to meet a lot of really cool people. I feel like I've really kind of deep dived getting involved in things in Idaho. And I really enjoy that. I enjoy being involved in the political scene here and so literally as as a person who does TikToks, but it's overall just been a really
2: kind of amazing experience. Did you have any idea that you would have this many people watching your videos? No, no, not at all. I I actually, my husband during
0: the pandemic got TikTok and encouraged me to also get it. He was saying like, there's some cool videos. There's these things I want to share with you. I want to show you. And I teased him. I was like, what am I, 12? No, I'm not getting TikTok. (laughs) And he's like, please, it's just that you have to have the app to see the videos. And I was like, all right, whatever. And so I got the app and actually my, my middle child teased me and was like, what if you become famous? And I was like, nobody becomes famous. I'm not going to become famous. I'm just watching videos and, you know, keeping myself preoccupied during the pandemic. And he teases me about that all the time. Now he's like, yeah, you're not going to be famous. You're not going to be famous. So,
2: (laughs) and here we are. Yeah. How did you come up with your, your handle, your name? And I, I think you are a socialist, but are you awkward? You don't seem very awkward. <laughs>
0: I, I am kind of awkward. I'm a little klutzy. Um, my my husband actually helped me come up with it. I was just using my name in the beginning. And once I started to get a certain amount of followers, he was like, we should probably not use your full name, especially since you're calling out some people. And sure. So he helped me come up with it. And yeah, I am a socialist and I am a little awkward, honestly. So
2: how did you come up with uh, like your voice there? Um, When I come, you know, because your videos, you break down news stories, mostly based in Idaho. Yeah, you call out uh, politicians all the time. You lose you use like a strong dose of snark and sarcasm. But you're like taking like news stories and breaking them down in these really digestible ways, which of course is really good for the app.
0: Yes, I would say TikTok kind of caters that I think I saw what other people were doing with topics and news and funny stories. And I actually had a coworker that was talking about an issue with Boise City Council. And she's an amazing nurse, a brilliant person, just someone I very much admire. And she was asking me questions about the city council meeting. And so I was explaining it to her. And she said, well, I'm just I'm just not smart enough to understand these things. I just don't get them. And hmm. that really shocked me because I think of her as a very intelligent person. And I don't think that anybody is not smart enough to understand politics. I think there are mechanisms in place that make it seem distant or elite or aloof and so that can be an issue for people getting involved and so some of the videos i made i made them with her in mind thinking it's not if if we break it down if we make it a story it's very easy to understand and i i want people to be involved i want these people to you know, we need more voices that are reasonable and are involved in this community we get a lot of voices that are loud but don't necessarily represent our area. And I feel like if more people could um, feel like they understand what's going on, that it's information that, like you said, is digestible, usable and actionable,
2: that they would feel like they could be empowered to get involved, too. I think the first video that was fed to me of yours in my TikTok feed, I think it was one where you were talking about uh, vaccines and masking. And it was, of course, like the height of um, the battles in the schools. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, this woman's in Idaho. How is she? How is she doing this? And also how brave and also I hope that she's okay. (laughs) So. Are you okay? Like, do you get, I mean, you get scary things probably said to you and sent to you at the same time that you're getting, you know, a lot of positive feedback I see, but probably some not great things that happen on, uh, on your feed.
0: Yeah, there has been some, there have been some death threats. There have been some people who said pretty terrible things and I don't know, we've, I've, manage my risk as much as I am able to. And those voices want me to stop talking. And I, I think it's important. And I, I do feel like it's important me, for me to not stop talking about these things. And I just I manage my risk as best I can. And I think what I'm saying is important and needs to be said. So I want to keep saying it.
2: Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned you've always been kind of interested in politics and following it. But where did that come from? Like, did you did you grow up in a family that was really politically active? Tell me about your background a little.
0: Yeah. my Well, growing up, my dad was in construction. And so I grew up listening to AM talk radio, Rush Limbaugh, Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity, which might seem kind of odd considering where I am on the political spectrum right now. But we grew up. I grew up listening to that. We would talk about it. We had political discussions in our family. My dad was always very interested in politics, and he passed that love of politics on to me. And so I just, uh, from a very early age, I realized that politics is so important and it affects everything in our life. And I wanted to be involved in that process. I thought it was very important, a very worthwhile thing to be involved in.
2: You grew up in Rigby and uh, were raised Mormon, right? But you're an atheist. You talk about that. Um, What is it like with your family today? Like, do they watch your videos? Do you guys talk about politics? (laughs) We we keep it fairly surface and casual. They don't like my
0: my videos so much. I don't think they love what I do, but we have we just have decided there are things that we don't talk about and other things that we do talk about. So they I I think that they appreciate that I'm passionate. I think they just think I'm passionate in all the wrong ways.
2: <laughs> but it's amazing that you've been able to yeah, maintain a strong tie to them because a lot of people, I mean, we've seen that, especially really since like 2015 2016 we've seen families really not be able to to get over those really big chasms um so yeah how, how have you been able to do it I guess just as you said just kind of choosing to set it aside
0: there have been moments I I don't want to present it as that there haven't been some big moments and so um, I think we've I think we've just decided that for now we do want to keep each other in each other's lives and so we have things we talk about things we don't. And I think keeping it casual was the best way for us to do that. So but I I totally get it. It's there have been a lot of things that have changed since yeah, 2015. And that does make it really difficult.
2: What do you think is the most important thing, biggest issue facing Idaho right now? There are so many culture war issues going on. And, and
0: those have been the focus of, of the news and some very extreme voices in our state that I actually think the biggest issue is that we aren't having governance. Like mm. actual issues in Idaho aren't being addressed. We have water rights issues. We have education issues. We have infrastructure issues and we always just talk about these these culture war issues and they are, they're a flash in the pan. They get people very emotional, very driven, very quickly with minimal information. And, and we're so focused on that. We're so focused on what library books there are that we aren't talking about the fact that there are buildings that are, crumb- that are, our infrastructure needs repair, that we have schools that don't have heating systems, that don't have AC and it's been a hundred degrees this week, that we aren't actually... Taking care of Idahoans. We aren't addressing the things that actually concern them day to day.
2: Yeah, that's so interesting because, of course, uh, <laughs> that kind of stuff is less uh, exciting, less interesting on the surface, but it certainly affects people's day to day lives, probably more than so many of the the social issues. But like, how do you uh, how do you bring that forward when, of course, you know, part of your TikTok is you're responding to the culture wars And then how do you bring people back to, but wait, remember about the crumbling bridges and roads and lack of heat over here at the school? (laughs) How do you do that?
0: It is, no, it's really tricky. And TikTok is a, a very fickle app. And so it is really a balance all the time that I'm, I know, I know my videos seem glib and snarky and, but there's a lot of thought that goes into every video and how I'm presenting everything because I do want each of them to have a purpose and to motivate people, but I also have to get picked up by the algorithm. So there has to be a little bit of, of shock value or, uh, some kind of a hook to draw people in. And so it is constantly a balancing act of wanting people to be motivated, but not scared unnecessarily or not so scared that they feel like they can't act and they're immobilized and that there
2: is no hope. Right, right, wow. Um, What is the video or story uh, that you've followed that you're proudest of, that you feel like you made an impact or you brought something to light that people weren't paying attention to? yeah. What, what are you proudest of?
0: Obviously, the Scott Yenner. Nobody was talking about that. That was really flying under the radar.
2: Boise State University professor. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. So
0: Scott, the Scott Yenner story was there was a, a professor at BSU who uh, teaches political science and made a statement about how women shouldn't be hired into uh, engineering, law, medicine, that the you know, women should be at home, men shouldn't be having to compete with women. And I saw that video, made a TikTok about it. It ended up getting national attention. It, you know, the, the college was forced to respond. He was put on paid sabbatical. As far as I know, he's still on paid sabbatical and, and it really did energize the community. People spoke out and, oh, okay. Like I was so outraged by that. And I felt like, I could see how other people were outraged, too. And that was really validating that that so many people felt similarly to me.
2: Yeah. When your stuff goes viral outside of Idaho and people are like, oh, what's going on over there? I mean, can it be kind of detrimental when things go so viral nationally because there's this negative perception of Idaho that just keeps getting spun that is fair, um, but also isn't the full picture of the state and of the Treasure Valley even. I just wonder what that tension is like for you when things go viral that go outside of Idaho. You're getting a lot of people who are not from here who are commenting. What is that like for you?
0: No, I think, I think you brought that up perfectly. There is like this tension. Whenever Idaho's going viral, I feel like it's always a problem. Like <laughs> it's never for anything good. Yeah, yeah. It's never good. No, it's never good. So when people start tagging me and stuff, I'm like, Oh, what is it this time? Like, what, what did we do? And, and there is, I, I do think it's important for, for that factor of people need to be aware of what's going on. And I agree with you that I do I get comments all the time about like, well, nobody should live in Idaho. If you're choosing to live in Idaho, this is what it what did you expect? And I try to counter those as much as possible because it like you said, it's not the whole picture. And and I think some people can see like there are people here fighting that we we want this state to be welcoming and open and the absolute best it can be. It's a state worth fighting for. And I try to make sure that people also see that that there are issues here and we can be better. I'm bringing them up so we can fix them because I believe in what we can do and that the vast majority of people in the state are very reasonable, very good people who want this
2: state to succeed. Yeah. Thanks so much for taking time to talk with me. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much, Frankie. I really, I was looking forward to this all week, so I'm so glad we got to chat.
1: That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. We'll be back from our holiday break January 3rd with your resolutions and predictions for 2023. Until then, snuggle up with a blanket and don't forget to check out our morning newsletter. Stay cozy, Boise.